coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida. You're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We are a weekly podcast with new episodes coming out every Tuesday afternoon, which you can listen to whenever you feel like it, because it's a podcast, and hopefully you'll subscribe and give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. On today's show, Kevin and I will be talking about top 10 lists for food and restaurants. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Our guests today are managing partners of The Mill, Chef Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin. We'll be talking to Jason and Ted about how they do things at The Mill to create a great overall experience and what happens on the rare occasion that they get a bad review. After that, we'll play our music segment, open our lunchbox, share our tip of the week, and have a gluten-free wrap-up. All of that is coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. So grab a snack, pour a drink, and relax while we serve up the show. Have you been to Anata lately? If you haven't, you really must go. Kevin and I hadn't been for a while and recently rediscovered it, and it's just blowing our minds. The menu's fantastic. Everybody thinks of cheese and charcuterie when they think of Anata. They do a fantastic presentation, and it's always amazing, but I would really recommend branching out and trying some of this stuff off of the menu. Recently, we had the uh, tuna tartare, and it's some of the best I've ever had. They put it atop a seaweed salad, and that just balances it out, and they have these little crisps on top. It's just amazing. They always do a wonderful job with the octopus appetizer as well. And then we tried the oxtail tortelloni the last time we were there, and it was just superb. But on my list next is the short rib bolognese, and I can't wait to try that. The only reason I haven't tried it yet is because the specials have always been too good to pass up. If you haven't been, you definitely must go to Anata. Anata Wine Bar is located at 300 Beach Drive in downtown St. Petersburg. They open every day at 4 p.m. You really must go to Anata. So today we're going to talk about best of top 10, top five, best of lists. Um, we have learned uh, over two years that we have been St. Petersburg foodies.com, the actual business, that they tend to get the most hits of any pieces that we publish. Yeah, best of list, or I like to call them top list. Usually it's top 10, sometimes top five. The irony is that they are very popular. They get shared and passed around and they get the most reads out of just about anything, usually. But they also cause the most controversy. Oh boy, do they. Every time we publish one of these, I, I am excited on the one hand because I know a lot of people are going to love it and they'll be so happy that their favorite place is on there and they comment about what a great job we did. And then you have to prepare yourself for the opposite reaction. Yes. I think tacos or Mexican places, I forget. I think you did Mexican places first. 
Yeah, a bunch of people. Yeah, I did, I did top 10 Mexican restaurants in St. Pete, and I left Casita Taqueria off the list. Oh my God, you bastards! And I almost had to go into the witness protection program. Seriously, it felt like we were being cussed out all day long. It was absolutely ridiculous, the abuse that we took on that one. So within like a couple of days, I made sure I, I got to Casita Taqueria and did an individual review on them, and they did make it into the top 10 tacos list. Yes. But then there's other people that are ticked off that their favorite place didn't make it in there. It's, it's crazy. You know, back, back when we started doing these lists in 2016, we were trying to do them by ranking everything by actual particular rankings in order. Right. Like the top 10 whatever. 10 best Italian would have been, that's the first top 10 list we actually ever yeah. posted. The first two we did were t- uh, Italian restaurants and then best steaks, not steak restaurants, but individual steaks, right? which could be a steak restaurant or not. And those were done in a manner where number one was the best of the 10 and so on. According to us. Right. Obviously, not everybody can be number one. Number one! But we don't do it that way anymore. We still do a top 10 list, but it doesn't mean that number one is the best, even though most people ignore the big, bold capital letters before the list starts saying, this is in zip code order, or this is in alphabetical order, we switch it around. Right. And the reason for that is not because we don't want to get yelled at, because we still get yelled at anyway. <laughs> exactly. The, the reasoning behind that is that, for example, I did a, the top 10 tacos and the top 10 shrimp and grits. Every single item on the, on the shrimp and grits was completely different from the other. There's, there's no, there was not an apples to apples comparison because one might have 10 different ingredients that the other one didn't have. That doesn't make one better or worse. These were what we thought were the 10 best. Right. As Ray Smith would say, in no particular order. <laughs> yes. And I think it's, a, it's more fair. Like when we did... Top 10 Italian, we put Grazi, or Grazi was number one. Now, this was based on a poll, because we used to do polls for these, and we'd have everyone vote. And we still, like we still do, do polls we to do. find out to, who should be in as, there. As a basis to get started. Right. But we, we did it based on the poll ranking, and Grazi came in first, and Il Ritorno was second. And when you really look at those two restaurants, they're just not an apples-to-apples comparison. Il Ritorno is more Northern Italian, Modern Italian. Grazi's more Southern Italian and, you know, uh, red sauces. So they're just two totally different types of styles. They are, but they probably are really the two most popular around here anyway. They are our two favorites personally, but I think they're the two most popular as well. Correct. You know, and there's that too. There's the popular vote. Right. And the critics' choice. And the critics' choice, right. But we're not critics. Exactly. And just going back to something else, back, back to the Every time one of these comes out, you have all the happy people that their favorite place is on there, and then all the angry people that their favorite place is not on there, and how could we have excluded them? What's wrong with us? It's a top 10 list, so it can't have 20 places on it. It's 10. Well, remember the time I did the 18 best breakfast spots? Yeah. That, <laughs> that took forever. That was ridiculous. Because that one was based on my morning walk and wherever I walked around downtown and passed. Right. Well, what, that one wasn't based in any particular order. I think that's one of the first ones that we did in no particular order. Mainly, we were basing it on how early they opened. And it was so people would be able to go and find early brunch or breakfast spots. Or It was also based on 
where which streets I walked down and which direction I turned at the time. And just downtown area too. Yeah, downtown. So. Yeah, so that was that one was interesting because I even got I got crap for that one too. <laughs> and by the way, it's it's not just us. I feel so much better. I was listening to the Bon Appetit podcast. The uh, guys on there talk about the same thing: how they get beat up every time they do one of these. And mm-hmm. oh, and that reminds me of another aspect because they they do national, and like, how do you do the ten best new restaurants in the U.S.? That's really going to tick off a lot of people. So I'm glad we're only doing St. Pete. But the other aspect of our list, and, and all of our reviews too, is that we actually go to every single place, we eat the food, I have the expanding waistline to prove it. Yes, we both do. We take pictures of the food, it's not in that order, we take the picture first, then we eat it. <laughs> but we actually go to the places, there are other uh, like 10 best lists out there where, for example, you can tell that the person wrote it from their desk. They never left the house. Right. They didn't go to the place, see what it's like, see what the service is like. They didn't eat the food. They didn't even take a picture of the food. All the photos are credited to the restaurants. And there was one that, one glaring one was, this goes back a little bit, but Trist on Beach Drive, 240 Beach Drive, one of our hangouts, for the longest time, they had, you know, they had these real big umbrellas outside on the sidewalk because of the Florida sun, of course. And, and we it, love Trist. We're not saying this in any dis, oh no. dis on Trist. Yeah, we're, we're fans of Trist. They had, their umbrellas were a very distinct orange color. But I don't know, I think it's over a year ago now, maybe about, more. Yeah, about. But they got new umbrellas and now they're kind of a tan color. And when the, this article came out with the photo of the orange umbrellas. So that photo is a year out of date and you definitely didn't go there. Probably didn't even go there a year ago. Trist belongs on lists. They're on our, some of our lists. So we're not saying they don't belong on the list. We're just saying it would have been nice if you actually went there. Yes. And our next top 10 list is going to, going to be the top 10 complaints combined out of all of our top 10 lists. And then we'll have people that will still complain that their complaint didn't get in there. Complainers. Just kidding. Haters are going to hate, but that's just how things go. We'll keep cranking out top 10 lists. Just keep in mind, they're in no particular order. Yeah. We can't tell you what the next one's going to be because it's a secret. Shh. So we'd love to hear your thoughts too. You can send us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Leave a comment on our webpage at stpetersburgfoodies.com or comment on social media at any of our uh, sites on Facebook or on Instagram. This is the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Our guests today are from the Mill Restaurant in downtown St. Pete. We have with us both of the managing partners and co-founders, Chef Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin. Hello. How are you? Welcome, Good morning. guys. Good morning. So the Mill celebrated its third year just this past summer. That's correct. And you guys have your second location in Brandon that's been open a year this past August. That's correct. We haven't made it to Brandon yet because the Mill's right across the street from here. And I can <laughs> look at it out my window from it's my desk. It's a long drive. <laughs> But it's really an, just an outstanding and unique experience overall. I mean, the food is amazing, but the whole experience is outstanding. How do you guys make the magic? We appreciate that, number one. It, number two, when uh, Ted and I got together, we were going around uh, St. Pete just the way you are, uh, eating at different restaurants and, and different things. And, you know, the, the common core of it 
was we just, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We just wanted to do it exceptionally well, right? So, you know, how do you do that in, in our business? And that's amazing food. You know, Chef Ted's food is, is amazing. And then service and, and spirit. So we basically just rolled up our sleeves and we've been in this business for a long time. So we figured out, you know, how to do it better, right? And, and that's what we've kind of, we, we've stuck to is the, that attention to detail. You'll always hear me clamoring about that in the restaurant. Follow the details, follow the details, pay attention to the details. And if you do that, everything kind of falls into place, really. What makes it just an overall experience is there's obviously the great food, but the great service that is, you know, really sincere. You can tell that they, that the, all the people there really mean it when they're, they're treating you like, like a friend. And, and then the decor is amazing, too, and totally unique. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, to your point, Kev, if we have a really good group of people that work there. I've been in this business a long time. This is something else that I say is, you know, our, our team is, is some of the best that I've seen in this business. Great. And I get it. I'm, I'm biased. But, I mean, from our service staff to our sous to our execs, bartenders, these people really have a passion for what they do. More importantly, they have a passion for the mill. And, and it shows. And, and we hope it shows every day. Oh, it does every time we're there, that's for sure. Right. So, Ted, how do you, how often and how do you split your time between the two restaurants and how do you keep, manage the continuity? Um, mostly, uh, I split my weeks a couple of days in each store. Try to be in each store for those high volume times. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we try to stress is, is my ability to be in those stores and my willingness and want to touch tables and talk to customers. I think that's something that does make us unique as you guys eat in a lot of restaurants and how often does an executive chef come out and talk to you? So that's one thing that does set us apart. And, you know, Jason and I and and our whole team and family truly care about each guest's experience and we want it to be a wow every time you come in. Nice. A lot of sleepless nights when we miss the mark because we miss the mark and, and I mean, he and I will be up talking till midnight like, how did we mess this up? And how do we fix it? How do we prevent it from happening again? Because we take those bad reviews very, very personally. And I know everybody says, don't take it personally, but this is our baby. You know, it's like somebody just shamed your baby and you're not supposed to take that personally. <laughs> it just, it doesn't happen. But more importantly, it gives us the criticism to get better, right? So we feel, we see where we missed the mark on that one. We fix it. We try to affect change and we execute it going forward so that it doesn't happen again, hopefully. But in the end, we'll get it right. That yeah. brings up an, actually an interesting point. Um, talking about, let's say, Yelp or wherever it is you're discussing or talking about that you're getting these reviews on. What would you say is the percentage of times that you read a negative review that they've actually brought it to your attention at the restaurant? Oh, man, that, that's very low. Very low. And to Chef's point, you know, we have a 100% table visit policy from both our management and chef, right? So each of these people will hit that table at least once in the, in the service. And a lot of times, you know, it, it, the tough part about it is we'll, we'll hit it, management will hit it, chef will hit it, the server will obviously be at the table, they'll say nothing but great things, and then we'll see a bad review. So just tell us. Right. Yeah, I think what happens is a lot of people are probably just afraid to say something, and then there's the really good reviews. Maxim USA Today, Chicago Tribune, San Francisco Chronicle, you know, the best restaurant in the state of Florida, which I don't know if that's been in St. Pete before. I don't know if we were the first 
I mean, it would be really cool if we were, but you know, if not, it's still a great award to win. Right. And then we've run won a, a bunch of other awards. So very proud moment, very humbling moment for us that, and it just shows we got more work to do. You know, we, we got to buckle down and, and get better so we can continue to do that. Yeah. I remember over a year ago, we were on a visit. We came into the kitchen mm-hmm. with chef to, just to get it, try to get a good uh, photo opportunity. And it was during service hours and it's not a real big kitchen or let me put it this way. There were a lot of people. In a uh, small space. In a small space. <laughs> get, the, getting ha, the picture was ha, definitely. Do you guys have like certain rules or ways you operate to make sure like somebody doesn't accidentally get stabbed while they're trying to pick <laughs> yeah. up? Sh- Don't touch chef. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch him. You know, we rely on a lot of verbal commands, especially in those tight quarters that we have back there. So, you know, the entire staff communicates, you know, um, you know, behind, hot behind, knife on your left, those kind of things. And, and that's what really keeps us safe back there. Um, but, you know, most kitchens are, are pretty tight. They're pretty small. They are, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how he does it because he, he's a big guy. And there's <laughs> a lot of moving parts and a lot of food that comes out of basically a box, right? Right. And, you know, I, I couldn't do that. So it's a testament to Chef Ted. But it, it's you're right. How does people not just freak out and stab each other <laughs> back there? It's insane. Yeah. Even sometimes I go back there just to give, you know, command. Not verbal commands, but, you know, to let them update them about what's going out in the front of the house. And I have to be back there in five minutes. I got to get out of there because I'm so it's claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, <laughs> here's how many tables we got open. Here's how many menus we got on the tables. I'm out. And then I'll leave and he'll stick right back there and just lead the charge. So it's really, really cool to watch. And, and yeah, hats off to Chef Ted for being able to do that day in and day out. Yeah, I like that you have a window there so we can see if you're in there or not. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can that's, come. That's, that's the no, windshield no, no. of my Mazda Miata I drive daily. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Today there's a beer for everyone. Hey, me and the guys are going out for beer. You want to come along? Nah, I got a lot of data to enter into the computer tonight. Now there's a brew for the future. Want me to bring you something back? Thanks, but I got some right here. Microsoft Brew. You got a beer tap on your computer? With a head so thick you can float a mouse on it. Let me get this straight. You make your own beer with the computer? With the right software, you can do anything. Microsoft Brew. Here, I call this one Windows 95. I don't know, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And if you got to get there quicker, try the new ISDN malt liquor. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. We're here with Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin from The Mill. And you guys have a menu that came out just back in July, which uh, that's in honor of the three-year anniversary, yes? Yes, sir. Um, basically, we took some of our, um, our favorite dishes and our guest favorite dishes from our original menu, brought those back to life. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, this is a great menu. I mean, one of my personal favorite dishes is the Naughty Bits. Um, I had a gentleman last night at the bar who just fell in love with that dish. It's a lot of fun for us to, to put these dishes back in, in circulation. And it, I think, I hope it, you know, reminds people of when they dined with us, hopefully the first time, three years ago. What's the Naughty Bits again? The Naughty Bits is the uh, seared foie gras and crispy sweetbreads. Oh, Lord, is that nice. on the lunch menu? No, I can make it for you at any time. <laughs> <laughs> so good. We can, you know, and that's, and that's the thing. If, if anybody ever comes in for lunch and wanted something from the dinner menu, I can absolutely make that happen. Awesome. 
Cool. So it's not just for us. No. <laughs> so we're not that special. We'll make actually. your you make yours super special. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We you know we want to make every guest experience super special. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. What what are uh, some of the other items that were on the original menu that are back right now? The porter glazed quail is a another home run. The scallop dish from our opening menu that so many people around town uh, really enjoyed. You know, so that's that's a lot of fun. The ever favorite Brussels salad is back. That is a uh, a salad that uh, it was another dish that we got a little flack for for pulling off the menu. But you know, we have to change and we have to try flack. new things. And some things work and some things don't, but we have to try. Right. And aren't there uh, also some items that can never come off because they're too low? <laughs> oh. Watermelon bruschetta. Yeah, that, uh, that one will never go away. Did once, so we, we got that death threats. That was a mistake. Literal, <laughs> right, because you changed threat. it up for the fall yeah. season. Yeah, right. that, was a, that was a mistake. That was um, stupid. <laughs> I'll know. never do that again. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a few of those dishes on the, the Southern Bell that, salad. that will never change. The Southern Bell salad will never go anywhere. Have you else. tweaked that at all or no. add anything? No, no, it's exactly the same. No, no, don't uh, don't mess with it. Don't mess with perfection. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's one of the greatest salads ever created. We're not going to touch that. It salad. really is. Yeah. I love that thing. Yeah, the Mill Burger. Well, that you you have tweaked because there was one that mm-hmm. had some lemon crush or yes. something on it, yes. and now it's We've, back to pimento. Yes, um, we you know. When we do changes, um, we try to keep our signature proteins and change the set to uh, a seasonal set, whatever is coming or going in and out of season at that point. There's certain things that we really can't take off the menu. Like we'll, we'll always have diver scallops. Right. That's, that's one of our best sellers. People love scallops. So we'll change the set that it comes with uh, every couple of months. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the, the pimento cheese. On, it's on the burger. The, what else? The grits has pimento cheese. It's uh, it's in a few things. Yeah. <laughs> and the the, the, the huevos ranchero uh, burrito. The huevos ranchero burrito. The shrimp and grits. It's Wait, on the burger. You got to tell them um, the story how how pimento got folded into your menu. Yeah, because oh, you don't um, see that on many many menus. The mm. wild thing is, is you know, both of us are from the south. We went to Chicago, of all places. We're in the meatpacking district and we're having breakfast. And it was this uh, I don't really remember the name of the place, but it was this really tiny storefront and they did um only breakfast and a lot of cured meat charcuterie meats it was, it was a butcher shop and when you go downstairs to use the restroom it opens up into this massive kitchen it was very beautiful but they did pimento cheese toss in their hash browns and i was like wow how did oh, we not wow. think of this i'm yeah. from the yeah. south <laughs> you know? we're from the land of yeah. pimento cheese yeah <laughs> it has your name written all over yeah. it for sure so, you know, we decided to incorporate that, and then uh, my mind just went wild for pimento after that. I'm glad so, it did, though. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, good. And we had a few weeks ago, our conversation topic was on uh, childhood foods that you just crave every once in a while, and I, I think that might fit in. Yeah, pimento with oh, white absolutely. bread and the crust cut off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's the best. Fried bologna I mean, sandwiches with yellow oh, mustard and white bread. He, yeah. comes in, he comes in every Saturday and Sunday <laughs> and takes a biscuit. And he gives the bottom half away and eats the top half with sausage gravy and pimento cheese. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Three years straight. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would do that. Too. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good ritual to have. Oh, it's my heart hates it, but it's great. <laughs> oh, and those it's biscuits delicious. too. Oh, yeah. Oh, those are awesome biscuits. So yeah. They're delicious. They are. It's an old, old recipe perfected over time. We've just changed the name of the biscuit a yes. few times, depending <laughs> on who was making them. Um, right. But uh, it's an old recipe, and it's, it's a really good one. Yeah. It's a science bind. You should watch them do that, how they fold it, and it's just 
really cool to watch. We we tried making biscuits at home <laughs> a while back. Epic failure. <laughs> uh, yeah, they would definitely not pass for the mill. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, there's a science behind it too. You know, when when he, we first started with the biscuits, I didn't realize like how much went into a biscuit making it from scratch. So I was back there, and I was like, just make biscuits all good. And he, well, no, there's a process behind it. And I sat and watched him do it, and I was like, man, my hat's off to you because I, I did not know there was that much that you have to watch for to get the perfect biscuit. I mean, there's a ton of variables that yep. he looks for to get the same biscuit each time. Well, mm-hmm. And we've learned a lot by talking to people about pizza crust and how they make that. And yep. it's the yeast, and it's alive, and you have the to water. work with it properly with the yeast and the water, yeah. Yeah, I used to be in that pizza business, and the water has everything to do with it and the mineral content. Mm. Taste, rise, if you want it crispy, if you want it doughy. I mean, it's just the water plays such a significant role I in that I never piece. thought about mineral content. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's why the New York pizzas are so good is the New York water naturally has this, this really high mineral content to it. So their pizza's amazing. So you would never want to use bottled water to make pizza. No, 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 no. <laughs> you you, gotta, you have to have the all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bottled out of their tap. <laughs> but, you know, we spend a lot of money on trying to recreate New York water, right? So, we, you know, massive filtration systems that dump this, dump that, extract that, well above my head, but at the end of the day, it gives a great pizza. And it was all about that piece. And I didn't even know that until our chef for that concept. I mean, he's like, it's all about the water. It's all about the water. All right. By the way, you just reminded me talking about, you know, in the past you were in the pizza business. Just something for our listeners to know. Both of these guys have a shit ton of experience. Way too much for us to get into. We'd need three (laughs) shows to get through all of it. (laughs) So, but if you want to know more, they both have a pretty impressive uh, background. Go to the Mill Restaurant. Restaurants. Millrestaurants.com and click the about and you'll see a pretty impressive background history on these guys. Thank you. Yeah. So in uh, wrapping up, uh, there's a couple more food items that I want to make sure we don't miss. One is the shrimp and grits, which made our top 10 shrimp and grits list. And then the meatloaf Wellington. You guys came out with that first in St. Pete and it's so cool that it got copied. We won't mention any names. <laughs> 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 Yeah, there's a there's a few of chef's dishes that are on. We we did a count, and uh, it's more than two hands worth that has that has now chef one of Chef Ted's dishes on the menu. That's, it made it to different menus. In yeah, different yeah, that's why we on this last menu we changed the watermelon bruschetta to the St. Pete OG watermelon oh, yeah. bruschetta yeah. because uh, it's being featured as a happy hour item. Uh, Elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, and uh, how often do you change menus? Every couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to keep it fun. So, Ted, I think we were talking earlier. You mentioned that uh, recently you just released a new bar menu. It's like correct, correct. It's something that we're uh, we're very excited about. Um, it's got some very unique foods, some of our favorite things. There's some variations of uh, some of our favorite sandwiches on this menu. So it's it's a lot of fun. Great. Well, we'll definitely have to get in there and try it soon. Yeah, it's it's a it's pays homage to street foods too, which I think is really cool. And some of the stuff is really really neat, and I'm very excited about it. I'm sure you'll see it on other menus very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon to a new menu near you. <laughs> okay, parting questions for Ted. Favorite knives. That's a uh, that's a good question. There's several knives that I like out there. 
you can't go wrong with a shoe knife. You know, that's a good quality blade. And then there's a few knives from uh, Wustoff that I like. Um, those are more of a durable blade and uh, different acts, different applications. And then probably one of my favorite personal knives is a very, very cheap knife. It uh, cost me 10 bucks 10 years ago. I couldn't tell you what it cost today, but uh, it's a all one piece cleaver from Oceanic in Tampa. Oh, wow. And uh, it's just a versatile knife. I mean, you can use it for vegetables. You can use it for butchering uh, whole birds, things like that. Yes. And it's still sharp after 10 years? Mm-hmm. You but never you, had to have it sharpened? Well, no, we sharp, I sharpened it on a whetstone. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. You know, I, I maintain my knives. But, but after you know. that long, usually that blade dulls even with sharpening, right? Yeah, I mean, they, all blades do. And you can have a, a knife sharpening service sharpen them for you. I don't like putting my knives on a grinder. I think it, it's just a personal thing for me. I think it, it puts stress on, on the, the blade itself. I like a whetstone. Probably a whetstone's my favorite, even over an oiled stone. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you had to give one piece of advice to an amateur home cook, what would it be? Season your food and taste it. Taste it, season some more, make sure you adjust your seasonings. And, and, you know, don't be afraid to, uh, to add flavor to your dishes. You know, so I, many one people of the, are. They're so afraid of seasoning. Yeah. You know, one of the things I preach in our kitchens is, is that, you know, salt and we'll call it acids because I use a lot of forms of acids, whether it's, it's vinegars or, or fresh citrus juice. I mean, there's a lot of fresh citrus in, in my cooking. I think the cooks find it funny because every time they make me taste something, they're like, more salt, more, more lemon juice. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, those, those components are flavor enhancers, and mm-hmm. people are often afraid to use salt and acids, but they, you know, those really bring out the natural flavors in all of the, the beautiful foods that we, we eat. So That's so interesting. Well, I always use salt, so you never have to tell me about that, but I have recently learned about the citrus, and I said to Kevin the other night, we were cooking something, and I'm like, we're going to put some lime juice on top of that because it's going to brighten it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you come up with that? <laughs> and it will. I mean, and, you know, and like I said, there's all different forms. I mean, so there's so many different kinds of vinegars and flavor vinegars mm-hmm. out there. And then, you know, the beautiful fresh citrus. And a simple thing like, like lemon zest can go a long way mm-hmm. in a dish. Nice. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for it having us. It was a pleasure. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Our music segment showcases local artists, and today we'll be featuring Greg Milo. Milo has released a number of albums, with a range of an eclectic mix of mellow acoustic tunes to driving full band with electric guitar. Before we hear the music, we have Greg's answers to our Fast Five Foodies questions that he emailed over. So due to absence, the part of Greg Milo will be played by Kevin Gottby. Favorite food? Mexican. Favorite restaurant? Red Mesa Cantina, M&M Barbecue, and Hawkers. Salt or pepper? Salt to taste on food. And red pepper flakes on pizza. Pizza's food too, you know. And in soups. Do you like cilantro or does it taste like soap? I ordered an authentic Mexican steak taco and I thought the meat was rancid or something and found out the piled lettuce looking stuff was cilantro. I shunned it for years, but now I like it. Wow, that's interesting. Can you cook? 
Yes, I can and do cook and have been complimented on it. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Our featured original song from Greg won a competition put on by the Audio Masterclass newsletter in 2006 where entrants had to write a song that sounds like the Beatles. And when you hear it, you'll know why he won. Here's Greg Milo with Lonely Man. Oh, Bernie man, you're not strong. Mm. Can't decide on a tie worth displaying On a shirt wrinkled wall Don't recognize the face that you shave Once again, that was Greg Milo with Lonely Man. Now for the lunchbox segment of our podcast. Today we decided to take the elevator downstairs to Ford's Garage. I know, long trip. They have great burgers, craft beer, and American comfort food. I had a craving for chili. Yes, another one of my famous cravings. And they have this great homemade black Angus chili. It was delicious. 
and also it's a small portion, which is just what I want it for lunch. Exactly. I wasn't sure what I wanted. I actually wanted to try something different. So today I went for the Mama Ford's homemade meatloaf. This is uh, their homemade secret recipe. They uh, top with their homemade gravy and it's served with sinfully delicious white cheddar mashed potatoes and green beans. Now, when I got the green beans, I was expecting the platter to actually come out with these green beans that were overcooked. These were not. These were al dente, fresh green beans. They were seasoned well. I didn't even use the salt shaker, though I asked for it. Everything was seasoned perfectly. I ate all of the green beans, and I have about half of the potatoes and the meatloaf left. It was, it was really delicious. You have them left until you're not looking? Exactly. That's what usually happens. So while we have lunch, we also like to read our mail. Our mailbag today is a quick one. We just have a couple from Chris Walker. He's the guy that supplies our intro music and some of our other interstitials. Via text message from Chris Walker, he says, Man, the podcast turned out friggin' amazing. Thanks, Chris. I was trying to do an imitation of Chris. I don't think I did that good. And Danny White commenting on our Facebook post about the podcast. Why did you post this, Lori Brown? Now I have to go get a taco loco and shrimp ceviche at Luis Petrini's Nueva Cantina. Dang, and I was doing so good on my diet. Not LOL. Margarita, anyone? Yeah, we get that one too, Danny. We go on our diet and then we go to work and eat food. Our Lunchbox segment is where we read opinions and answer questions from our listeners. Please email us at lunchbox at stpetersburgfoodies.com with your opinions, feedback, and questions to be featured in this segment. Hi, this is Justino from The Difference, and you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. This week's St. Petersburg Foodies Tip of the Week is regarding uh, food photography editing. There are some excellent food photographers out there that we see on Facebook and Instagram. They do an amazing job. And then there's people that do what I used to do, is take a picture, upload it. Drove Uh, me crazy. (laughs) Seriously, probably 97% of photos can benefit from editing. Occasionally, you get the perfect light and everything, and it's just like, wow, that looks amazing. I don't need to edit that. However, my quick advice before Lori does her quick tutorial on iPhone photo editing is whenever you think you have a great photo and it doesn't need to be edited, think again. Absolutely. And I apologize to you Android users out there because I have an iPhone, so that's the only way I can help out here. But I never, and I repeat, never upload a photo to the internet unless Kevin says like 1% of the time, maybe I get a photo that's perfect without using some editing. So here are the editing tips that I would recommend using, and you can do them. It's very quick and easy on the iPhone. So you've taken a picture, you look up in the upper right-hand corner of your iPhone, and you click the button Edit. Look to see if it needs to be adjusted one way or the other first. So does it need to be cropped? Does it need to be adjusted? So you would hit the, the button to the right of Cancel. Looks like a little crop thingy with little arrows on it. And you click on that to do any sort of cropping and you just manually move it with your fingers to get it cropped to the way you want it. You can even adjust it with the little wheel at the bottom to turn it one way or the other if you think that looks better. Then you move over to, I don't, you can use filters. Filters are the next button to the right of cancel. I don't normally use them because I 
I feel like they look fake most of the time. Well, especially for food photos. Correct, correct. They can look a lot better for portrait photos and such, but for food photos, I feel like the filters tend to look somewhat fake. So I move over to the button, third button to the right of the cancel button, and then you have, when you click on that, looks like a little timer, um, you have light, color, and then B&W, which I never use because that's black and white. I would only use that if a horrible photo came out that I absolutely had to use. I usually go to light first, and normally I'll just manually adjust that. So you want to take your finger and move it to the left, and that adjusts the light up. If you move it to the right, it adjusts the light down, and there's a little dot to show you where it was to begin with. And just do that till you think it, it looks like it has the proper amount of lighting to it. Most places have terrible lighting. Most restaurants have awful, awful lighting. If you can sit by a window, that's the best way to do it because you can get natural light. Now, if you think that it needs to have some color added to it, at this point, you will see there are three lines in the upper right corner above where you're making your adjustments for light. And if you click on those three lines, now you can use color again. So you click color and move to the, again, to the uh, left in order to increase the color to the right to decrease the color, which you'll hardly ever do that. And that is uh, the easy and fast way to edit. Then you click done and then you can upload to social media. I would highly recommend using this every time. Best, Best thing to do is to find the best natural light possible or to be under a good light as far as like a a good light bulb, a good lighting in the restaurant if you can't get the natural light. That's our tip of the week. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our guests and thanks to our sponsors. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News and our intro music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other podcast app, please give us a rating, and also remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Put too many onions in the sauce. I didn't put too much onions in it. Oh.